So there's this passage of scripture that's quite apropos, um, and I'm excited to share it with you all this morning. It stands out boldly within the book of Philippians. Can I read it to you? Okay. Here's what it says. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at the sixth verse. I know you've heard it, but just listen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything worthy of praise, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word and the opportunity to sit in scripture. And even though there is distance, I thank you that there is still community that we can feel and we can know. So Father, would you be in these moments? Would you anoint these words and would these words penetrate deep the hearts, the minds, and the spirit of your people? Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be transformed by your word. In your name, Jesus, amen. I'm quite sure many of you have heard this passage many, many times. And so there is no mystery. There is no suspense. We're talking about anxiety. This word, this feeling, this experience. An experience we all have and we all have had in response to life and circumstances. And if there was ever a time we would be prone to feelings of anxiety, it is now. And yet for many of us, the feeling of anxiety has been known to us way before the news of a pandemic ever reached our television. Anxious about bills, anxious about relationships, anxious about career and performance, anxious about children, what they're experiencing, who they're becoming. Am I a good enough mom? Am I a good enough dad? It interrupts your sleep, it disturbs your appetite, and makes it nearly impossible for you to be present. You see, I intentionally chose Philippians 4, however familiar that passage might be. I mean, I could have used any passage of scripture to talk about anxiety as we are instructed time and time again in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Do not worry. Even Jesus himself in that famous Sermon on the Mount said time and time again, do not worry. And in some translations, he says, don't be anxious. But I intentionally chose Philippians 4 because I wanted to use the passage that is so frequently used to be Christians over the head. I wanted to use Philippians 4 because I, I wanted to use the passage that we quote and often improperly apply in ways that shame people 
that alienate people and that creates this arbitrary measure of faith. You know how we assume a person does not have faith if they are anxious about something. And I want to share a secret with you. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, so listen closely. Christians experience anxiety too. And the feeling of anxiety does not mean you have a lack of faith. That pit in your stomach, the panic in your chest, the thoughts that spiral ever so quickly does not equal a lack of faith. And this is not a new phenomenon. <laughs> Although we can look at recent stats and see how anxiety has become its own epidemic within the United States. But no, this is not a new phenomenon. We can trace the feeling of anxiety or worry or fear back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you remember that story? When they ate of that forbidden tree and their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked and became ashamed. And then the Lord is walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the Bible says that Adam and Eve hid themselves because they were naked and afraid. In fact, the actual verbiage of that passage in the voice of Adam was, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In other words, he had a perception of his reality that caused him to feel vulnerable and that vulnerability was scary. The reality is, as humans, we don't like to feel vulnerable. Can I give you my definition of vulnerability? Here it is. It is the absence of the illusion of control. It is the awareness that I am not in control. Can I tell you what often produces anxiety for the believer? When we attempt to control things, we were never meant to control. As parents, you can't control the experiences of your children. Experiences, by definition, are subjective. And so even if you put your child in a bubble, you can't control how your child will experience that bubble. You see, when we attempt to control things we were never meant to control, when we attempt to take the place of God in our lives, when we attempt to become like God in a way we were never given permission to, like Adam and Eve, the byproduct is often anxiety. And so Paul reiterates this command that we have been given throughout scripture and he says, do not worry about anything. You know, it was Paul who coined those famous words we like to quote and preach about being troubled on every side yet not distressed, being perplexed but not in despair, being persecuted but not forsaken, being cast down but not destroyed. And he says to the church at Philippi, do not worry about anything. This man who had every reason to be anxious, this man who had every reason to worry, not only about his present, but about his future, not about what might happen in his future, but whether he would even have a future. And he says, do not worry about anything. 
And he goes on to say, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this passage. I have read it so many times, like many of you. I have heard sermons about this passage many times, like many of you, and I've always walked away from reading this passage or hearing a sermon about it with the belief that all I have to do is pray, that all I have to do is supplicate, all I have to do is make my request known to God with thanksgiving, and I will have absolute peace. I believed that until a few years ago when I had the experience of extreme worry and a moment of extreme anxiety, sitting in front of my doctor who told me I wasn't having a heart attack, but I was having a panic attack. And I went before God concerning the issues in my life that were causing panic. I went before God in prayer and supplication. Ooh, that's a big word. That simply means I didn't just talk to God, I begged God concerning the issues that were causing me panic. I made my request known to God with thanksgiving. And after leaving my posture of prayer, I still had worry and I still had anxiety. And I was like, come on, Jesus. You know how we like to put God in remembrance of his word? I mean, his, his word says that we can put him in remembrance of his word. I said, Jesus, your word says if I pray and supplicate and make my petitions known to you, I will have peace. How could I have done all those things and still not have peace? still worried about the state of my job, still worried about the state of my relationship, still worried. Some of you may have asked that very question. Some of you may have believed the lie that God doesn't hear your prayers or you're just not praying right. Can I just expose that lie for a moment? Because the reality is prayer is simply communicating with your heavenly father who longs to hear the contents of your heart. But when I ask that question, how could I have done all those things and still not have peace? I actually got an answer. Can I tell you what it was? It was so powerful, it was so revolutionary, it changed the way I viewed this passage and it even shifted the way that I engaged my faith. I asked how could I have done all those things and still not have peace? And the response I received was, where are your thoughts? <laughs> Isn't it awesome when God answers your question with a question? Where are your thoughts, Leah? You see, I had only really read verses six and seven, sure. I read the other verses, but I had only really examined verses six and seven. And because I was only looking at those verses, I took them out of context and assumed Paul was saying prayer was like magic. I assumed Paul was saying, if I just prayed hard enough, I'll have peace. 
And from that position, it is easy to beat ourselves up when we have worry and anxiety because the enemy will tell you that you didn't pray hard enough and that your faith isn't strong enough. Now, don't get me wrong, prayer is powerful because prayer puts God back in his rightful place. You see, when we pray, it is our admission that we are not God, but he is. That we are not in control, but he is. We are not all powerful, but he is. And not only does prayer put God back in his rightful place, but prayer allows us to exchange our perspective for God's perspective. And so I can look at a situation and say, this, this is too big. This is too much. I can't do it. I can become consumed by the weight of my worry and my anxiety. But after spending time with God in prayer, God often gives us his perspective that says, actually, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Because actually, it is when I am weak that his strength is made perfect. It is through prayer that we begin to see what is impossible with people is actually possible with God. But you cannot look at verses 6 and 7 that talks about the power of prayer without also looking at verses 8 and 9 that talks about the power of your thought life. Where are your thoughts? Paul says, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what I believe. I believe that, that like many of you, I may have subconsciously overlooked verses eight and nine because as Christians, we often shy away from disciplines. It's bizarre, isn't it? We're disciples, but we don't like discipline. We want to see God do the miraculous in our lives without submitting ourselves to the disciplines God has given us so that we can live the life he's promised us. And so what Paul is saying in verses 6 through 9 is that there is this partnership that as you pray, God brings peace. But if you are to maintain that peace, you're going to have to manage your thought life. Can I tell you how hard that is? Because many of us have been thinking in this way, in these ways for so long that our thoughts have become automatic. We've been underestimating ourselves for so long. We've been discounting our value and the contributions we add for so long. We've been fearful of what's to come, unsure of our ability to handle the unpredictability of life. And our thoughts become worry and our thoughts become fear. And our thoughts become insecurities without us even noticing the thoughts that started it all. And so I've got to ask the question that Jesus asked me, where are your thoughts? Because I can tell you as a psychologist that what we feel often originates from what we think. And this is complex for many of us. 
who, for example, have clinical anxiety, but whether it's anxiety or depression or fear or insecurities, if you've ever sat down with a therapist, that therapist would provide you with the education that says our thoughts impact our feelings and our actions. And the cycle continues and continues reinforcing the thoughts that lead to feelings that lead to actions. Whether it's the common everyday stress or debilitating anxiety, the task for all of us is to manage our thought life. And so Paul admonishes us to think on what is true. You see, we have to confront the lies we believe about ourselves and our circumstances with what is true. If you can't determine truth for yourself, ask a friend to remind you of what is true. Go sit in scripture and allow the holy word to pour truth over you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are chosen by God. Your name is inscribed on his heart. Is it all right if I just speak a little truth to you this morning? He is with you and will never leave you. He is near to you, so near that he knows what you'll ask before you ask. And he hears your thoughts before they are even formed. He is a very present help in times of trouble and nothing nothing escapes his ability to redeem. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you were meditating on the truth? You see, I believe the enemy doesn't want you to live the life that is the product of meditating on the truth, so much so that he floods your thoughts with lies. But if you can use your imagination for just a moment, can you imagine what your life would be like if you were meditating on the truth? Favor surrounds me like a shield. Grace and mercy follows me. Can you imagine the possibilities that would exist for you if you were meditating on the truth? I am more than a conqueror. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I am an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Can you imagine how you would approach your life if you meditated on the truth? I don't have time to walk through all of these, but Paul says whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of prayer, praise, think on these things. Paul says the recipe for peace is not just prayer. Although prayer is powerful, it is also a disciplined thought life. But then he goes on to say, Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. This is significant because if you remember, I said our thoughts impact our feelings and our actions. And so Paul says that if you really want to experience peace in your life, you've got to pray, you've got to train your thoughts, and you've got to discipline your behavior. And so I want to ask you again, 
Where are your thoughts? What are the thoughts you think that spur on this feeling of anxiety? And where are your actions? What are the behaviors that maintain that feeling of anxiety? Paul says to keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And this is my favorite part because verse seven talks about what the peace of God will do. But verse nine talks about what the God of peace will do. If we pray the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds and if we can be disciplined in our thoughts and in our actions, the God of peace will be with us. I don't know about you all, but I want the peace of God to guard my heart and my mind. And I also want the God of peace to be with me. I want to walk into a challenging situation knowing that the God of peace is with me. I want to sit down for an important conversation knowing that the God of peace is with me. I want to navigate my relationships, not in fear, not in worry, not from a place of anxiety, but knowing confidently that the God of peace is with me. With prayer, we have the promise that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. But with discipline, we have the promise that the God of peace will be with us. I wanna encourage you this morning in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month and in the spirit of therapy, I'm gonna assign you some homework. I want you to take some time as you're spending time with God this week and actually revisit this passage. And I want you to think about those things that are honorable and just and pure and pleasing and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. And I want you to sit down and make a list of some things that you can start meditating on. Rather than meditating on your promise, meditate on that which is honorable. Rather than meditating on what the news is saying, meditate on that which is pure. I want you to make a list this week and actually practice disciplining your mind. And I also want to acknowledge that for some of you, some of you have been working really, really hard. And it's incredible how hard you've been working to manage your thoughts and the feelings of worry and anxiety still come up for you. And they feel big and they feel overwhelming. Can I just say that this is why God has given us the field of psychology and medicine to give us the extra help we need when we need it. And so if that's you, I wanna encourage you to share with your doctor or to reach out to a therapist and say, hey, I'm struggling and I need some help. Here's the last thing I'll say and then I'll, I'll pray for us to conclude our time together. It is so easy to assume that prayer and faith is a resource, when in reality, faith in God is only a resource if you believe that God is good and desires to extend his goodness towards you. Then, and only then, can there be trust and security even in the midst of turmoil. 
And so some of you can't connect with some of the lessons of this passage because you have a skewed perception of God. Maybe you think God is mad at you. Maybe you think God is out to get you. Maybe you tried to trust God in the past and it felt like he failed you. Whatever it is, if that's you, I want to encourage you, especially, to reach out to this faith community. Send us a message. Send us an email and allow someone to help you learn to see God in ways that are congruent with Scripture. Because God is good and he desires to extend his goodness towards you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for this time we have had to sit in your word. Thank you for the tools you have given us to become, to overcome fear and worry and anxiety. Help us to not only pray that we might experience your peace, but help us to be disciplined in our thoughts and in our actions. And when we have done all that we can do, would you give us the courage to ask for help and lead us to the right form of help? Thank you for these things. In your name, Jesus. Amen.